When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast here on cleveland.com. I'm Joe Noga, joined once again from Goodyear, Arizona by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Paul, weather any better out there today? Well, you know, the, Joe, the sun is out, uh, the sky is blue, but it's a little, little, still a little chilly, but it's nice. It's a, it's a good, uh, good, brisk uh, desert air, I guess. Well, uh, it's uh, it's looking sunny for uh, Carlos Torres, who uh, signed a non uh, non roster uh, minor league deal for the Indians uh, reliever. Most recently pitched with the Brewers. Uh, what can you tell us about Carlos Torres and his chances for making the squad? Yeah, he passed his physical today. Uh, he's a guy, kind of a heavy duty reliever. Uh, made uh, you know he pitched 82 innings in in uh, for the Brewers in in 2016. Through 72 innings last year, uh, you know he can pitch in a variety of roles, and uh, he—I think he's, you know, I, I, he's not Brian Shaw, but he's at least he's durable enough to kind of fill some innings, uh, fill some holes in this bullpen, and he's got a chance to win, uh, you know, the seventh and, and last spot in in the in the pen. Who are who are some other names that he would be competing with uh, for that spot? Are there, are there any young guys looking to get in there, or or is it pretty much just between him and and, and any veterans? Well, I think uh, you know there, there's uh, whoever doesn't win the, uh, the the last two spots in the rotation. You know you've got uh, Ryan Merritt, uh, Josh Tomlin, Clevenger. Uh, you know so those uh, maybe Danny Salazar if he's healthy enough. Uh, you've also got, you know, veteran guys. So there's, there's a guy named uh, Ramirez in here, and Alexei Agondo, you know, who's, who's pitched a lot in, in the big leagues. So those are those are the kind of guys he'll be competing against. Uh, you mentioned uh, Danny Salazar's health. Uh, you got some injury updates today. Uh, most notably, uh, we found out that, that Jason Kipnis has a, a bit of a tweak in his back. Yeah, I think uh I think uh, Kipnis told me uh he's probably going to miss maybe he'll he won't play Friday in the uh, you know in the in the spring training opener. He could miss uh he could miss Saturday as well, but he th- but you know Francona said he'll probably be back in there Sunday. Um he said uh you know Kipnis said he just uh, kind of overdid it. He's he's been here since uh you know, February 7th, he's been hitting in the cages. He said he's been hitting in the cages two hours a day. Then he'd go and work out. And finally his body said, Hey, you may, you may, you may need a break. So, uh, I don't think it's anything serious. He doesn't think it's anything serious. And he thinks he could be back in there Saturday. So, so I think, uh, you know, he, 
Jason was just worried about getting beat up on Twitter again because, you know, <laughs> following last season. So he knows that's coming. Well, uh, you know, with Kipnis, it's, it's usually it's been, uh, you know, hamstrings or shoulders or, or, or things like that. This is the first we've really heard of a, a back situation with him, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's all, I guess, you know, the hip bone is connected to the uh, thigh bone, all that kind of stuff. Everything's connected. But I think this is just, you know, kind of a, uh, an issue of overwork, you know, overwork, you know, just kind of just his body telling him to take, to, to, to ease off the, the gas pedal. But I think he's, he said his shoulder feels fine. His hamstrings are good. Um, and he's ready to go as, as soon as, you know, he, his, he gets his back thing cleared up. Uh, there was, uh, you mentioned Danny Salazar. Where, where's his progression right now? Is he, is he moving along? Yeah, Salazar's playing long toss. You know, he's, he's, he's throwing the weighted balls at 60, 90, 70, I mean, 60, 75, 90 feet. But he's still behind, uh, uh, Joe. So, you know, I think, um, you know, he, he hasn't thrown off the mound yet. He hasn't thrown BP yet, live BP yet. And, you know, and the games start tomorrow. So, you know, the, the train is leaving the station for as far as Salazar is concerned. I don't know if he's going to be able to, you know, play enough catch-up here to, to start the season on time, you know, with the season starting early this year on uh, March 29th. Uh, so that remains to be seen. But I think the odds are right now he'd probably start the year on the DL. Speaking of artificial deadlines and, uh, you know, not making too much of that, uh, you guys got a chance to – uh, interview Michael Brantley uh, today as well, uh, but but Brantley sort of turned the tables on you. <laughs> yeah, you know we we went up to him and you know we've been. It seems like every spring we're talking about Brantley. Is he going to be ready for opening day? Is he going to be able to run? How's his shoulder? How's his ankle? So instead of us asking the questions, he not only asked the questions but answered them as well. So that was kind of funny. That was it was like uh, you know Crash Davis. And mm-hmm. Nuke Lelouch, you know, Crash Davis given uh, Nuke Lelouch his interview lessons on the bus in the minors, and that's what it, it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, that uh, that Brantley has been well schooled in cliches. You, you gotta learn. You gotta work on your cliches. You gotta know them. You gotta love them. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm just stuff. here to help the team. <laughs> uh, it, speaking of here to help the team and, and uh, pretty much a source of frustration, I, I think on both ends right now, Brandon Geyer's wrist. Uh, what's the latest on that? Yeah, uh, you know, he, um, you know, this is a guy that he had the surgery in October during the playoffs um, on his left wrist. You know, he had to, he hurt it twice, I think, during the season. Uh, and uh, so he had the surgery. You know, he was going to get checked out Thursday today to see if he could start swinging the bat. But he heard it uh, two days ago in the outfield, I think just catching, you know, just I don't know if it was throwing or catching, but he heard it and he felt a tweak again. And uh, they took an MRI. Uh, he was examined today. He's going to be shut down for a few days, and they'll start to the, kind of the ramp him back up uh, next week. So, you know, this is another guy that, you know, you, you just don't know if he's going to be ready for opening day. But I think they want to take it slow. You know, he played so well for him two years ago as a platoon guy with, you know, with Chisenhall in, in, in right field. That uh, And they missed him last year. They missed that element in, on their offense. So I, I don't think they're going to take too many chances with him. They want him to get ready. They want him to, uh, you know, be be full, you know, be as close to 100% as, as he can. 
when when he returns to uh, you know the Indians. Yeah, it just sort of seems it's been more than a year now that he's sort of been like a a lost or a missing piece for for this lineup, and uh, you know just to to get him back in there and, and knowing that the the outfield is so left left hand heavy right now without you know without knowing where Roger Davis and, and Melvin Upton fit in. Uh, you know the guys that they have are, are all left-handed, and, and Brandon Geyer would would definitely be a, a a right-handed bat that could you know do well against right-handed pitchers as, as as he's proven in the past. Yeah, definitely. That's that's what they need, and uh, you know that's what they want him to do, and that's what he's done throughout his whole career. So you know they just need him to get healthy and be able to swing the bat like like they like they know he can. Uh, Terry Francona released the starting lineup for uh, Friday's Cactus League opener. Uh, it looks uh, pretty much like we expected it to look, except I'm, I'm seeing Jan Gomes batting in the two-hole. What's uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, I think he just wants to get – he's done that before early in camp. I think he wants to get his catchers as many bats as they can you know, maybe get him an extra at-bat because they're only going to be playing two or three innings. So two or three, maybe four innings. So I think he just – he usually hits it, catches up early, up high in the lineup to get to get him an extra at-bat. And, uh, you know, this this is uh, – this um, the exhibition season starting so early this year that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think uh, – I, I don't – you know, they, I think they just want to, you know, get those guys in and out as quickly as possible. Give them, you know, get them, a, get them a couple at bats, and then get them out of there and not risk anybody getting hurt this early in camp. And and just as we expected, Brandon Barnes and Drew Maggie are uh, <laughs> batting and uh, playing in left field and second base respectively, and and batting eighth and ninth. Just just pretty much as as we expected, right? <laughs> exactly. That's uh, you know, those are. <laughs> Those are the two spots. Uh, you know, I think I, I think Kipnis would have been playing if if he was if his back was okay. Uh, Barnes is a guy you know in camp on a minor league deal. He's I think he's played in, in Colorado and Houston. He's got some power, so we'll see. But you know he's you know this is good for those guys. This is you know this this early camp, this early start to the exhibition season. You know a lot of those non roster guys that are competing for spots. You know, like uh, Raja Davis is in there, Upton is in there, um, in in the starting lineup. All those guys are going to get a good amount of playing time this early in the year, early in the uh, exhibition season. And uh, as we had spoken about uh, earlier this week, uh, Mike Clevenger gets the start on the mound, and he'll be followed by Ryan Merritt. And those uh, those are two guys who uh, are, you know, fighting for a spot in that starting rotation. Merritt out of options and. And you wrote about him this week uh, and just his chances of making the roster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Francona came right out and said, we don't want to lose this guy. You know, if we have a starter go down, he's probably next in line. But uh, you can only fit 25 guys into a 25-man roster. And when you're out of options, you're out of options. I mean, I I don't know what you do. You know, maybe I don't think he would get through waivers. If they if they you know tried to get him through at the end of camp, uh, I guess you could trade him or you know I, I don't know if you could uh, if he gets one of those uh, you know those 15 day injuries that that you know kind of conveniently uh, come out of nowhere. But eventually you got to face the same problem. So 
you know, I think all, you know, all merit can do is pitch well and uh, make the decision uh, uh, as, as tough as possible when it comes to, you know, the Indians deciding who makes the club and who doesn't. Uh, one name we know will definitely not be making the club uh, out of uh, the non-roster invitees. Uh, Cole Solzer uh, came to camp and uh, didn't tell anybody he'd broken a rib. Uh, what, what, what's the story with that? It's, that sounds kind of unusual. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, you hear a guy with a broken rib, you think he got punched. You know, he was in a bar fight or something. But, you know, he came to camp with this. Um, you know, I, I think the Indians knew. It sounds like the Indians knew that he – and uh, he he had hurt himself. The Indians said he hurt himself helping his parents move. He he was lifting a box, tripped and fell and and and, and broke his rib. And you know he, he got to feel bad for the kid. His first big league camp. He pitched at Akron and Columbus last year. So he comes to his first big league camp. You know at least maybe not a chance to make the team, but at least a chance to you know pitch against the you know. Top top level competition. Show the coaching staff what you can do. You know, plant a seed, and he and he breaks a rib, moving moving furniture or whatever it was. So that's that's a tough break. But that goes. That's a good spring training injury, though. That's that that has to go on the list somewhere. That that goes right up there with uh, you know the uh, the Mark Wittens and the uh, uh, Glenn Allen Hills of the uh, of the world with the odd injuries. Uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, as far as you mentioned live batting practice, we've, we've seen some video, uh, a couple of guys, uh, Corey Kluber got to pitch some live BP, uh, Trevor Bauer did as well. Uh, anything to take away from any of those appearances or is this just a time when, when the starters are out there working on their stuff and it doesn't matter if they're giving up hits or not? Yeah, I, I you know, I think, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's important, you know, and, and I think the hitters are a little overmatched. You know, at this point, uh, especially when they're, you know, they step in and they're facing guys that have been, you know, thrown for a few, you know, they're, they're thrown like 95, 96 miles an hour. I don't think everybody is going full goal yet, uh, as far as pitchers, but, you know, there's not a lot of hard hit balls. And there's some guys, you know, some, some starters treat it a little differently than others. Uh, uh, you know, some guys, you know, just kind of getting their work in and they let the hitters hit. And some guys are serious. So like, you know, Tomlin definitely he threw yesterday and he, he looked like it was the seventh game of the World Series. You know, he was, he, you know, he, he's thrown breaking balls. He, you know, he looked really sharp and, uh, the same with Kluber. You know, those guys, uh, they take it serious. And, uh, you know, and there's always a, a there, there's always, you know, the hitters are always screwing around laughing and, you know, trying to get, you know, trying to, you know, t- take these guys deep, their teammates deep. So it's, it's interesting, but early in camp, the first couple of days of live BP, you don't see many hard swings. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as uh, a guy you talked to earlier uh, this week, and, and you had a, a feature on him, uh, Tyler Olson, uh, had a heck of a year as a as a rookie for the Indians last year, uh, coming up after Boone Logan uh, went down with a season-ending injury, uh, and he really stepped in, made 30 appearances, and didn't allow a run. Uh, what are the expectations for Tyler Olson, and, and should, should we have expectations of another, uh, you know, perfect season uh, without allowing a run? Yeah, I think he's going to give up a run here eventually, Joe. One of these, one of these games, he's going to give up a run. Probably it'll be a, a relief too. But uh, it was, you know, it was an unbelievable 
performance last year. You know, this guy came up, you know, twice, and, uh, you know, after on from July 31st on, you know, he pitched through this, helped them, you know, during the streak. He was, he was you know, he was really, you know, even when, you know, Logan goes down and then uh, Miller goes down, he was, he was a, you know, the lone lefty, you know, productive lefty, and he, you know, he got lefties and righties out. So he did a great job. It's, it's the, the amazing thing is if you look at his, uh, you know, his transaction record, this guy went, <laughs> what, went from Oakland, I think he went to from the Yankees to uh, Kansas City to the Indians, and all he went played for about four or five different teams in the span of like two years. You know, I, I don't think he he knew he didn't know if he was coming or going, and you know that's that's a hard way to to play baseball. But uh, you know, finally he found a home in, with the Indians, and I think he's you know really you know he's become you know he 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 kind of established himself. He found a home here, and uh, you know you you don't know uh, how one year leads into another, but he certainly has momentum on his side, and he's healthy. So I would think. Uh, you know he's he's and he's got the right attitude. You know he, he's he's a, he was he was his rookie year last year. He knows he you know he hasn't gained any. You know he, he, nothing's guaranteed. And I think what he went through with all the waivers and trades, you know he knows how mm-hmm. fickle this game is. And I think you know you're always going to get his best effort. Well, and and one thing you know it, people are always asking about him. And, and one one thing I always say is. Uh, you know a lot about a young kid like that by the way that a guy like Terry Francona, when he's asked about Tyler Olson, the way Terry Francona talks about him. And Terry Francona, I've I've never heard him say a negative thing about Tyler Olson in in the the time that he's been with the team. So if Terry Francona's opinion of Olson is is that high, then you know uh, it stands to reason he should probably you know be with the team and be, be a part of what, what the Indians have in, in mind for 2018 moving forward. Yeah, definitely. They're, you know, the, it's a great combination, him and uh, Miller, you know, Olsen can come in late. I mean, early, he can get lefties and righties out. Miller can come in and in, in with, in the late innings, he's, he, you know, he's, he can get lefties and righties out. It's, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a good fit in that pen right now. All right. Uh, another thing you wrote about was the, uh, the the competition at catcher. I guess if there is a competition, which there really isn't, but there is, <laughs> and and then there's and then there's you know this this kid waiting down uh, in, in I'm, I'm assuming AAA this year, but you know Francisco Mejia is going to be right there as well. Uh, you know you've got Jan Gomes, you've got Roberto Perez, both of them have you know plus gloves, plus arms. Uh, and and both can hit the ball. What's what's the the competition like for the Indians' number one catching position right now? Well, you know, it was interesting because uh, kind of unprompted, Francona said yesterday that each of them, you know, in their one-on-one meetings before you know camp starts, they each told the Francona they want to be the number one guy. The, the indication was very strong; they wanted to be the starter, uh, each one. And you know, until this point. You know, Gomes has always gotten more, the most playing time, but you know, you saw it kind of switch a little bit in September when you know uh, uh, Perez got more, you know, played more games, and he started four of the five games in, in the ALDS. So you know, that's a pretty good indication that 
you know, his star might be rising here. And and when you look at Gomes' numbers, I mean, he had one of his better offensive seasons, a bounce-back season, and, you know, he's still he's got a great arm, uh, you know, he you know, and they both, you know, handle the staff really, really well. So it's a good problem to have. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Francona handles it. You know, um, you know, for instance, last year Gomes has, has had always been uh, Corey Kluber's catcher. But right. as the year went on, you know, you saw Perez catch him more and more. And, uh, you know, so that that might be an indication that, you know that of of what they're thinking, but I, I don't think either one is going to you know really have a huge drop off in at bats because if you look at their numbers last year, they were as far as catching tandems go. You know, home runs, RBIs, slugging. They did they they uh, they projected really well in the American League. They they stacked up really well there. Um, the the old adage uh, as it relates to quarterbacks is. You know, if you've got two starting quarterbacks, you you really don't have one. Uh, if you've got two starting catchers, is is it uh, would it is it damaging to maybe one to if 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 you give if you split the time a little bit more, uh, are, are you sort of holding one of them back from from having a breakout offensive year? I mean, you could. You know, I think the problem arises not with the catchers so much, but probably with the pitchers. You know, <laughs> I mean. Do, do, do the pitchers like throwing to one guy more than the other guy? Uh, you know that that could that can be a problem. I've seen that happen before on clubs where you know the the staff get, gets split and they're they're asking the the manager, I want this guy to catch me, and uh, you know I don't I don't think Francona would allow that to happen. Uh, and I think both these guys, you know, they they've been through this for the two three years now, so they know how Francona operates. I think I think he'll be able to strike a happy medium, keep both of them happy, and then uh, and then what what's he do with Mejia then? So that's that's. But I don't think having too much talent is ever a problem. And we've talked about it before. I think Mejia. I mean, if they need if they need a hitter, and uh, you know Gomes and, and and Perez are doing okay, and but you know maybe they're lacking at third base offensively. They could. Or in the outfield, eventually they they could make a move with Mejia and bring him up and and help and help you know take advantage of his uh, offensive ability. Do, do you think we will see Mejia in Cleveland before September this year? I do. Yeah, I think I think there's a real good chance. Uh, you know, I you know it's just the way the the season works. Catchers always you know catching is such a volatile uh, position. You can get banged up there. You know, we saw it a couple of years ago. Uh, Ramirez breaks his thumb. Uh, I think uh, Gomes broke his hand. You know, so it, it, they take a, they take a beating back there. So you know that that could uh, that could really you know the door opens quickly if you're if you're sitting at AAA and you're a catcher. I think. Okay. Uh, as far as uh, you know away from the field stuff, but it was announced that the Indians along with uh, the other major league baseball teams uh, are going to be wearing uh, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas high school uh, caps to honor the victims of the, uh, the school shooting from last week. Uh, it, did, did any of the players say anything about that? Talk about it or, or what's the, the take around the clubhouse on uh, just that, that horrific situation and, you know, just a little, little part of being able to, to do something to honor those, those victims. Yeah, we, uh, you know, Francona talked about that today. 
Uh, you said, you know, it's it's a small gesture on their part, on Major League Baseball's part, you know, considering what, what happened in Florida at the high school. But if he said if it could happen, if it could help just one person that was involved in that, then, then it's a good thing. And, uh, you know, he, he said, uh, uh, it's, you know, nothing but good can come out of this, uh, the, the Indians, you know, and every other team, every other big league team honoring, honoring the, the people, you know, the people that were, you know, that tragedy, the, the people involved in that tragedy. So, he, you know, he, he, it almost sounded like he wished he could do more that, uh, as a person and then maybe as Major League Baseball could do more, but he said this was, a small gesture, and he hoped it would be well received. Uh, one of the uh, one more uh, before before we let you go and get back to enjoying the balmy weather out there in Goodyear, Arizona. Um, we we saw this come across uh, a couple of stories about this yesterday. Uh, Major League Baseball executives are floating the idea of allowing a team to bat their their best hitter or uh, let any three hitters they want to bat in the ninth inning as a way to make the games more exciting, I guess. I, I, I don't know, but. Is it spring what, training games? I, this is Major League Baseball executives have, have floated this idea that a manager could put his best three hitters as one, two, and three in the ninth inning if he's trailing in a game and, you know, make the, make the closer from the other team have to have to strike out uh, the, the top three hitters on the in the order. What, obviously, this must be the first you've heard of this, but yeah. what your initial reaction I can tell is probably probably pretty <laughs> incredulous here. Uh, yeah. And, Do the and, closers and, have a union? They, the closers, if they have a union, I think they they file a complaint. <laughs> well, I, what's to stop the manager from the other team then of bringing in his best pitcher? I mean, if you if you if you need three outs and and you've got uh, uh, you know, a, a starter who's scheduled to go the next day. Why not just bring him? Uh, this rules propose these. Are we starting to try and legislate too much into this game? Yeah. Uh, this is a, this is a this is a sport in a game that's been around for 150 some years, and and now you're trying to make all these changes to it. What what do you think is is going to uh, it? And it obviously it hasn't gotten laughed out of the uh, the arena here. If people are actually talking about it. But how crazy is that? I guess the, 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 the philosophy is is that uh, Manfred said something along the lines of uh, baseball is the only sport where your best player could be on the bench at the most critical time at the end of a game. You would never see LeBron James sitting in the last five minutes of a basketball game. You'd never bench Tom Brady for the final drive of a football game. So why not send you know Mike Trout up to the plate if you can it, it just flies in the face of everything that feels so natural about baseball. <laughs> Joe, I could I could tell you right now, there is no way that's going to happen. <laughs> there is no way. I mean, they can they can they can they can talk all they want. There's no way that happens. I mean, I, I, that's the great thing about baseball. One through nine, anybody can be a hero. You, you know. <laughs> Well, well, how many times is Mike Trout going to hit? Like seven times in a in a nine hitting game? <laughs> and it's and it's not just that one through nine anybody can get a hit, but it's that a good team is only as good as its weakest player in its nine man batting order. You're only as good 
as your weakest link. That's, exactly. You got, that's, that's why you sign bench players. That's why you have bench hitters. That's why a manager makes moves during his during the game. I, I, that sounds like that sounds like roller baseball or something. Yeah, I. <laughs> but you know, it, Joe, there is something that you know how a lot of spring training games end in ties. Right. You know, in, in the ninth inning when they run out of pitching, I guess uh, there's a rule now this spring that if the, if the score is tied nine nine in the ninth inning. Each they'll, they'll play at least one more inning, and the guy that made the last out in the bottom of the ninth inning, he'll start. Oh, tell the me they're the putting ninth. a runner. At, they're putting it's a beer league softball rule. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, they're gonna be, put a runner at second base to start. Yeah. The, oh my. And start the tenth inning, and it's just, just not to. Uh, I mean, and it's just, but it's uh, but I think that's just for that is just for the exhibition season. And right. it's just because so many, I think fans get frustrated when, uh, when uh, you know, a game, even even a Kitchis League game, ends in, ends in a tie. So I think that's one of the reasons they're doing that. But that other thing, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> they're going to kill every closer in baseball if they do that. <laughs> well, and, and, yeah, that's that's the thing is it's like I would think the players union would have a lot to say about that oh, because yeah. you, would be, you would be destroying closers and – not just not just ruining their stats, but you know, bringing in guys and, and blowing their arms out in, in, in games if, if you're trying to match up against guys like guys like Trout and Aaron Judge in the bottom of the ninth inning. It's, it's, just, it's the most ridiculous thing. Hey, hey, I'm not saying I was for it. I'm just saying I saw a lot of talk about this, and, and this is it, you, you got pitch clocks, you've got mound visit limits, and now yeah. you're trying to you're trying to let. I, I can understand try. Baseball is already exciting. Anybody who's been at the World Series the last two years knows that baseball is absolutely thrilling when it's played at the highest level. There is no need to be changing these these rules. It's ridiculous. Jeez, oh man, I, that's that's unbelievable. All right. like, yeah, I'm glad you feel that way, Joe, because well, that's how I feel too. Well, well, Paul, I don't want your head to explode while you're out there in the desert, and it, it sounds like the uh, the tumbleweeds are blowing once again. So we're gonna let you go. Looking forward to tomorrow afternoon, the start of games, not real games, and. Games that apparently will be decided by beer league softball rules if they're tied after 10 innings. So, you know, enjoy yourself your last couple of days out there before you, you head back for a break. We will uh, we will talk to you again, hopefully, uh, after the game tomorrow. And until then, we'll catch you on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe. Thanks, man.